Thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you that goodness and mercy pursues us every day of our lives. We thank you for delivering us from unfortunate instances. We thank you for delivering us from premature death. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you that you are an edge of fire around us. We thank you that our steps are ordered by you. We thank you that we can call you Father. And we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. I study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All too soon, it looked like a long look as if this episode will not end, but finally, we are on the final episode of Rightly Divided, part 10. And last week, we ended on the Gospels, and we are just left with the Epistles and the Book of Revelations. So, basically, in dividing the Bible, we have the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we have the Pentateuch, we have the Prophets, and even the Minor. We have the Psalms, the Poetic Books. But basically, basically, those books were showing us the channel through which Jesus would come through. That is why the book of Ruth is included. The book of Esther is included. All those books are just included for us to be able to trace the genealogy of Jesus. So basically, the Old Testament gives us the channel through which Jesus came. So we know that he came from Abraham, came from David, and, and last week we looked at it. So basically, that's what the Old Testament tells us. And the New Testament or the Gospels tells us that he has arrived. He actually came. He walked with us. He lived with us. The Word became flesh. And the Epistles tells us what the Word that became flesh came to accomplish. So that is why we say that the Bible is a book of one message. And that message is Jesus. Definitely, I know that if you are someone who has given himself to the study of the word, there may be things that I said that you may not agree with. And of course, you should not agree with everything I say because everybody is learning. The Bible said that everybody is pressing hard into the kingdom. So we are all pressing into the kingdom. We are all pressing. So everybody should make the effort. But then the fundamental truth that anybody that calls God as Father, we all have, is about the the non-double-mindedness or the non-negotiable truth about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. So every interpretation you give to the Bible should not shift the goalpost. And the goalpost here is Jesus. So no matter the angle that you may want to look at it from, the angle that you, you study from, however you want to approach it, make sure that Jesus is given his rightful place he is the chief cornerstone. He is the only begotten of the Father. He is God made flesh. So we would like to start with 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. Paul is speaking to us here and he's saying that and without controversy, 
great is the mystery of godliness. Now, this is a very interesting statement. What qualifies something to be a mystery is because there are controversies around it. <laughs> That's why it's qualified to be a mystery. It's, it's crowded or it is shrouded in many things, in many layers. But Paul is saying that we know that there's a lot of things wrapping around godliness. But he said that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And what is that mystery of godliness? And Paul is explaining to us the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So no matter which angle of interpretation concerning any portion of scripture, this foundation should not be moved even an inch. It's like their solar system. It is said that, <laughs> those who study it, they tell us that if the earth should move one inch from its socket or its orbit closer to the sun, the earth will melt because of the, of the heat coming from the sun. And if the earth should move one inch backwards from its orbital or from its socket or from its position, it will become too cold for life to exist. So the earth is perfectly positioned where it is with the accuracy of 100%, not even 99.999, 100% accuracy. That's the same way the truth of scripture is. It's a very narrow path. If you move an inch towards it or an inch back from the sun, you are missing it out. So no matter how you may want to attack maybe a portion of scripture, a parable, a something, make sure that you still firmly uphold the mystery of the various components of this mystery, God manifesting in the flesh, etc. Hopefully one day God give us the grace to know what is inside itself and to be able to come and share with us too. So Hebrews 1 verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, by the prophets, had in this last day spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed. Go back and look at the scripture, peruse it. Let's apply all the things we have learned over here. But God is, or the scripture is simply telling us that God spoke to our fathers and he spoke to them through the channel of prophets. But how did the prophets receive the message? They received it through diverse manners and they received it at various times. So God spoke to shadows. God spoke to types. God spoke to allegories. God, he didn't just speak to them in their life, but he spoke to them at various times. And even the people, he spoke to them at generations apart. The man who said at the beginning that all that the Bible occurred over a period of a thousand years. So various circumstances, but God still spoke to us. Speaking to us by transfiguration is no longer the law, is no longer the prophets. But this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that is our message. We preach Jesus. He is the answer to the pain of the world. It is the answer to the void in the hearts of people. And until you are able to see Jesus in the scriptures, 
We have no instance. And I, I'm sure some of our testament and the old testament is concealed in the new testament. So from all I mean, you should be able to explain the same things by yourself. Now, one thing about the epistles is very interesting. The epistles, you know, basically, uh, one of my spiritual instructors makes to likes to make this joke that he asked someone what is an epistle, and he said, The epistle is a wife of an apostle. Please, in case you are so in that school of thought, please change your school. <laughs> the epistle is not the wife of an apostle. Epistle is simply another word for a letter or a message written. So, but in biblical context, epistle is simply letters that were written to the church by the fathers of faith. And basically, Papa Paul, Papa Peter, Papa James, Luke, Jude, the writer of Hebrews, whoever he is, <laughs> John. I think I've covered it. So these are people that basically wrote the epistles. And one thing about the epistles is that it was a fulfillment of what Jesus told them that I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when the spirit of truth comes, he will teach you all things. That is why many of the things in the Old Testament and even in the Gospels is explained in the epistles. So whenever you are looking for an explanation, did this happen? The best place to find your answer is in the epistles. Because the epistles is a revelation that explains truths that have been conceived in shadows, in types, in allegories, in parables. So if you want to understand the communion the best, Papa Paul gave us an exposition on the communion. And the fantastic thing was that Paul himself was not even there. <laughs> Paul was not at the last supper. Those who were at the last supper, Peter, James, and John, they didn't write about the communion. Oh, but it was Papa Paul who wrote about the communion. If you want to know about mysteries that are in the Old Testament and even in the life of Jesus, the explanations are in the epistles. So if the Bible is a past questions, a book of past questions, so mostly, um, the Old Testament and the Gospel will contain the questions. And I don't know your time, I don't know what goes on now, but when I was in secondary school, we used to have past questions, and mostly the answers are at the back. So you solve them, then you open the back, and Charlie, you are marking. So Charlie, you are going to write was you sit with our friend, Charlie, they will be marking. They will be getting 39 over 40, 38 over 40, Charlie. I miss those days. And after that, prep time, we sit down and do section B. And after that, we mark it amongst ourselves. Those were my times. But I don't want to go back to those times. I'm tired. <laughs> so the answers at the back of the past questions are like the epistles. They give us insight. That was when the Holy Spirit was teaching these holy men insights into various things. And one book I love the most, especially when it comes to explaining the mystery that I love that in the Old Testament, particularly the priesthood and the tabernacle, is the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a very wonderful book. And because of the depth of revelation in the book of Hebrews, people actually credit it to the writing of, or people actually credit it to Paul. Because Paul is known to be a man of wisdom and revelation. And the revelation locked up in Hebrews, people just cannot believe who, like people just cannot understand who else might have had such in-depth 
um, knowledge into the mysteries of the Old Testament writings. But for me personally, I don't think it's poor. But that's because Charlie, the guy is collecting too much funds. So me, I won't. <laughs> but everybody has their school of thought. poor because of the depth of revelation. But the one reason why many people do not accredit it to him is because of the style of writing. The style of writing in Hebrews is different from all the other letters that Paul wrote. And I think that's a very good point because consciously or consciously, everybody has a way of style of writing. Everybody has a way of talking. If you record yourself a lot and you play yourself, you realize that you have certain choice of words you use unconsciously. So that's one reason why I don't think it's poor. But if I'm speaking a wild guess, I'll think Timothy wrote it. Was Timothy was a son of Paul, so I'm sure that Timothy too was a learner, but that's just by the way. So if you want to understand the locked up truths in the Old Testament and the Gospel, give us exclamations to things people even who were living in those days did not know. So a world the beautiful story that contains a lot of revelation was the expose given by Stephen. Stephen enlightened us about so many things about Moses and their journey in the wilderness that Moses himself was not even aware. That's why they wrote some things. It was even still That gave us insight into it. I think in Acts chapter 6 or chapter 7, Stephen gave a wonderful expose and he opened up some mysteries. And one of the key things he opened to us was who gave the law to him on Mount and gave it to Moses, stealing answers to us, also gives us an answer. So you know that many things that the people themselves wrote because of their condition and because of their knowledge and their experience, that it was later on that Peter, James, John, Peter came to give us the explanation of the book. By the past, that gives us revelations and explains locked up truth in the Old Testament. And personally, if you realize, Preaching from the epistles is more difficult. It was generally easy to preach from the Old Testament, especially when it comes to their stories. So mostly when those of us in Ghana, Africa, mostly, and when those on radio and those who are always, I mean, if you know, you know. <laughs> so yeah, most of them like preaching from the Old Testament because without one, you just pick up a story, David and Goliath. I see every Goliath in your life coming down, God. Or you just pick up um, a story of who? Um, Abraham. I see they have waited for long. God is bringing a testimony. So relatively, you can just pick up a story in the Old Testament and encourage people. But when it comes to the New Testament, particularly the epistles, you need to take one verse after the other and digest it. Because when you take a scripture like what you have done, his poema, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You need to sit down and do a perusal through the agency of the Holy Spirit before you can teach on such a verse and so many of the verses. So you realize that preaching from the New Testament is quite challenging as compared to preaching from the Old Testament. Maybe, well, this is me, but I may not be correct. Maybe for you, but it's something I've noticed. But most people just pick up things in the Old Testament, stories in the Old Testament used to encourage. Then, apart from stories, you realize that most people cannot really preach. So mostly stories that people use. But when they give you raw revelation, raw truths, like the blessings of all, or let's say, uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are part of him. Behold, all things are, have become new. Or scripture like God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto him. So eventually, you know, people are stuck. But give them 
David and Goliath. Give them Abraham the position of So the crystal requires a lot of prayer to be able to dissect the truth. Amen. That's why the first rule we give was that you must be a spiritual person. Now, basically, two things that you should know about the epistles, and I think I've said this before, that the epistle or Paul referring to the scriptures use the illustration or use the example of a mirror that whoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty and that we all with unveiled face beholding us in a mirror the glory of God, we have been changed. And I know I've given this illustration on the podcast, but it's needed here again. One thing about the Old Testament, about the epistles is our mirror through which we adjust our lives. So just as a pretty lady, when she's doing her makeup for her wedding, when she does the makeup, she looks in the mirror. And whatever part of her face, her eyebrow, or her color shade, or whatever, doesn't suit what she wants. She either claims it and redraw, or apply more foundation, or apply more powder, or whatever, but they do an adjustment. And I remember I gave the illustration that if you have done your adjustment, and if you used a pink lip gloss, and you step out, and somebody tells you that, hey, I like your green lip gloss. What would you do? Would you run back and say, hey, I use pink or I use green? And that's the way many of us are living our lives. When we look in the scripture, and the Bible tells us that you are loved by God, and we step out, and the circumstances of life are saying contrary, most of us bow to the voice of the world. That is why you are supposed to make the effort of looking into the mirror of God's word and adjusting your life accordingly. So Paul in Ephesians will say that he that steals, or he that used to steal, let him steal no more, but let him engage in honest work that he might have enough to give. So what Paul is telling us is that now, because of what Jesus has done, and we have responded to that, by accepting him into our lives, there's a certain way you are supposed to live your life. So whenever you look into the mirror of the epistles and you realize that your life is not aligning to what you see in the mirror, which in this instance is the word of God, you must make the adjustment. So if you are somebody who takes gossip for granted and the Bible tells us that do not slander each other, automatically you should adjust your life. If you are somebody who is consumed about being glory you like to have you like people to hold you in high esteem you are so conscious about people's opinions about you and you go and make conditions when paul says that if i'm living to please men i cannot be a servant of god then you begin to make adjustments in your life when you go to the presence and the bible tells you that you are a new creation Behold, all things are passed away, and you step out, and the world wants to remind you what creation, what are you supposed to do? Because you have looked into the mirror of the world, you must just remind yourself that I am a new creation. And that's how we relate with the epistles. You align yourself to the truth revealed in it. So if the Bible tells you that you are seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, far above principalities and powers. How on earth? The Bible says that our lives are hid in Christ with God. How on earth can your life be hid in Christ with God and you will live in terror and live in fear and live under the harassment of the devil? It's impossible. 
But because many of us are not looking into the mirror of God's word, we don't know what Christ has done for us. Therefore, we are not able to live our lives accordingly. One scripture I love so much, James, it says that resist the devil and he would flee. It did not say resist the devil and he would argue. Resist the devil and he would bring up accusation. Resist the devil and he would try and bully. He said, no, resist the devil and he will flee. So whenever you are noticing things going on in your body, what you are supposed to do is not to panic or respond in fear. What you are supposed to do is to resist him and say, in the name of Jesus, because of what Christ has done, I bring an end to every malfunctioning part of my body. In the name of Jesus, you resist the devil. Whenever you are going to work and you are hearing the fear of how things are becoming hard in the country, you don't talk like the way other people talk. What do you do? You resist the devil of fear. The Bible said, for he has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You have a sound mind. And this is how we are supposed to respond to the epistles. Revelation Jesus has come to do and as a result of his work, what he produced, he produced a new offspring. He produced a family for God, a family made up of people of you and I, a family of kings and priests. So Peter tells us that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are peculiar people. We have been called out. So stop trying to conform to the darkness. You have been called out. And this is how we respond to the epistles. And because I like it, I'm sharing this one. <laughs> one of the truths that you would find in the epistles, particular in the writing of Paul, is that God is our Father. Huh. Let's, let's just take a quick survey. Let's look at all how Paul started all his letters. Examples. Let's see. Let's start with Galatians chapter 1. So let's start with all major or most of Paul's writings. Let's, let's have Galatians 1 1. See what Paul says. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but of Jesus Christ. And God the Father. And God the Father. Let's look at another one. Let's go to Ephesians 1 verse 1. Okay, let's go to verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our Father. Let's go to the scripture. Colossians. Colossians 1 verse 2. To the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are Colossians, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. Let's take the last one. Um, which, which Let's see Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Let's see verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy unto the church in Thessalonians, which is in God the Father. So one of the key revelations that Paul in the epistles is giving unto us is that God is our Father. And I know I've said many things about God being a Father, particularly under the parable of the loving Father, but I don't know because every day when I look at us, particularly as Africans, many of us relate with God as a business partner. Many of us are like into transactions with God. God, I do this, you do this. I settle my end, you settle your end. God is not your business partner. God is your father. And one thing, if you're an African, you should appreciate the most. Because one thing about Africans, especially African businesses, is that you will hardly see a business in Ghana, a private-owned business in Ghana, and the owner or the founder doesn't hand over to his children. I'm yet to see one. 90% of all private-owned businesses, if the children 
of the business owner that succeeds the person. Whether the person is wise or not, you don't care. Whether the person is intelligent or not, you don't care. Whether the person is not failed or not, you don't care. And the son doesn't necessarily need to do anything to qualify to be the CEO. All he needs to do is that he needs to be born of that man. That is why one of the strategies women unfortunately do is that when they locate a rich man, their main strategy is to make the rich man impregnate them because they know that as long as they carry the child of that man or they have a child with that man, their future is secure. So that's one the strategies they know because in their mind, it's imprinted that as long as their son is the son of this rich man, they are sorted for life because they know that the son doesn't necessarily need to be intelligent. He doesn't necessarily be good or whatever. He gets needs to be the son of this rich man and that alone qualifies him to inherit of the father. But many of us are dealing with God as a businessman. Many of us are dealing with God as our boss. So we are not able to enjoy the riches of his grace made available to us. God, our father. And this is one of the truths that Apostle Paul reveals to us in the epistles. God, your father. So most of us think that we need to do something for God to bless us. You know, one day, I know someone, he was just there and the father called him, Natalie, I bought you a car, go for the car. And the guy was shocked. And he was wondering, like, ah, he didn't do anything for the car. He didn't even ask for the car. But the father gave the car because he had it in himself. He had the resources to give him the car. But the father will wake up and give a random person a car. That is what means to be a son of someone. And Paul is teaching us to the best of that God is our father. These are one of the many truths that are locked up in the epistles. So whenever you look in the epistles, make sure that your life aligns to the truth that is revealed. So if you are a new creation, subjecting yourself to the old man who has been crucified on the cross. The Bible says that the blessings of Abraham are ours. So take your time. Go back to Genesis. List out the blessings of Abraham. And the Bible says that Christ is the seed of Abraham. And anybody in Christ is entitled to the blessings of Abraham. And the last portion of the Bible is Revelations. That book is a very interesting book. But just to summarize that book in one sentence, is that Jesus will come again. Jesus will come again. There's so much in that book, but Jesus will come again is the message. So the Old Testament is the channel through which he came. The gospel says he has come. The epistles is what his coming came to achieve. And the revelation says he will come again. So basically that's all for life divided. But I would just like to give us some assignments. <laughs> Fast to do, and it's fast to study on the cities of refuge, cities of refuge, cities of refuge, and I'm going to give you the scriptures where that can be found. Cities of refuge. It's in Numbers chapter 35, verse 11. Numbers 35, verse 11, and Joshua chapter 20 verse 2 following. So it's not just verse 11, but verse 11 following. And the subsequent verses too. And Joshua chapter 2, verse 20 following. So go and study about the cities of refuge and see what was God. You see, remember Hebrews 1, God in diverse times and in diverse manners spoke to the people of old. 
So what was the truth locked up in the cities of refuge? And you know, you can always find us on the Telegram channel, the household of the Father. You are always welcome to share whatever you have learned from the cities of refuge and any question. And the last thing about it is that one of the things that we should notice particularly in the Old Testament is a style of writing which mostly we refer to as anthropomorphism or A-N-T-R-O-P-H-I-S-M. So go and look at that word because sometimes we often get confused when we see things like and Moses remembered the law or remind me when God doesn't mean that God forgets or when the Bible says and the Lord came unto Abraham doesn't mean that God comes like if he's omnipresent how can he come to one person so this is another manner of communication that is in the Old Testament that you should go and look out for and study on your own so the last thing upon all that we have studied this is the concluding statement Ezra 7 verse 10 this is what Ezra did and this is what God is expecting of us to do Ezra chapter 7 and then verse number 10 and I read for Ezra had prepared his heart to upon all that we have studied this is what we are all driving towards that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord to do it and to teach it in Israel, its statuses and judgments. For Ezra purposed in his heart, or Ezra prepared his heart, or Ezra determined in his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it and to teach it in Israel, its status and its judgment. This is what God is expecting of us that we should have a heart that has been rid of naughtiness and superfluity of naughtiness, a determined heart like Daniel, that Daniel purposed in his heart, which we are supposed to purpose in our heart that we are going to seek after the Lord. And the first reason to seek after the law or the law of the Lord that was for them in the Old Testament, but for us is the Bible, if I should say, or the truth. The reason why we have, or what God is expecting of us to purpose in our hearts that we will seek after the truth. And the first reason why we should seek after the truth is so that we will do it ourselves. So Ezra purposed in his heart to seek after the law of the Lord, to seek after the truth. That should be one of your obsessions. The Bible said that buy the truth and sell it not. Jesus told that you search the scriptures because you think you, in them you have eternal life. But the scriptures point to me the scriptures are testimonies of me and it is him that we should go after. And just as Ezra did, that is a desire that God wants us to have, that we should purpose in our hearts, that we are going to seek after the truth and not just seek after it for flexing our knowledge muscles, but so that we will do it. And as a natural result of me practicalizing the word, we will teach also. So this is the threefold manifestation, if I should say, or the threefold ministry of the word of God for us is that seek after the truth, believe the truth, and teach the truth. May God raise us up to be Ezra's in our generation. May God raise us up to be like the Bereans who would go in for the truth. May we be obsessed about Jesus. May we press on to know Jesus. And may we look and search as the deer pants after the water, but may we pant after Jesus. Remember, there's only one interpretation of the Bible, and that is Jesus Christ, even though it has many applications. So 
the, the story of Esther, you can apply it in your life. You can apply it in the sense that you must always be prayerful. Because Esther prayed before going to see the king. One application is that she listened to Mordecai. You should be a, somebody who can be submissive to authority. So there are many applications. But there's only one interpretation of scripture. Remember what Peter said. That no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Jesus is the focus. And since we have been talking about the epistles, that what you see in the epistles, you adjust your life to it. We want to put one of it into practice. Remember, you are raising, we want to become Ezra's. We are not just obsessed about knowing truth for knowing sake because knowledge perfect up, but we are obsessed about knowing so that we put it into use. And one of the truths that the epistles reveal to us is about the need to be consistent in prayer. We are told that pray without season. Paul told the Thessalonians church. Paul tells us in Colossians 4 verse 2 that continue in prayer. That's why for this podcast, we begin with prayer and we end in prayer. We believe in consistency in prayer. We believe in prayer. So tonight, we want to apply what we have learned. We have looked into the truths. We have looked into the epistles. We have looked into the scriptures. After rightly dividing it, we are told that pray without season. We want to spend some time praying that God should raise us up to be like Ezra, to be people that have a heart for God, to be people that are hungry, sincerely hungry for God. For David said that as the deer panted for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. When shall I appear before him? When shall I enter his tabernacle to gaze at his beauty? Many of us are obsessed about money. Many of us are obsessed about popularity. Many of us are obsessed about power. But our major obsession in life should be Jesus. So he tells us that see, he first the kingdom. Father, we pray for the heart of Ezra. We pray for the mindset of Ezra. We pray for the attitude of Ezra. We pray for the energy that you give to Ezra to seek after your law. And Father, we we ask for grace this, this tonight that after we have sought after your law, we are not just going to be puffed up by it, but we are going to be doers of the word. We are going to be leaders of your word. We are going to be written epistles of the word that whatever we find in the Bible, we will leave it. If the truth tells us that we should forgive, Father, help us to forgive. If the Bible tells us that he that still should steal no more, Father, help us to stop stealing. Help us to stop lying. Help us to stop being slanderers, gossipers, accusers. Our oh, mercy. The Bible says that see to it that you owe no man nothing but love. Father, we pray for grace that we'll be doers of the word. We pray for grace that the word will have the preeminence in our lives. The Bible said that so mightily grew the word of God at Ephesus and prevailed. May the word of God mightily grow in our hearts. May the word of God mightily grow in our lives and may it prevail. For we have been made a fragrance of death unto some those who are condemned unto death and unto those who are condemned who are predestined who are destined for life for us we have made a savor of the fragrance of God Father we pray for grace that you will leave your way and finally we pray for grace that we will be teachers of your way for the Bible says that when the Holy Ghost comes he will give you power he doesn't give us power to flex but he gives us power to be a witness to be able to testify that indeed we have tested and we have seen that the Lord is good and we cannot but preach these things we cannot but share these things may we be ambassadors for you wherever we find ourselves may we be 
churches of the gospel wherever we find ourselves because you gave us a mandate that we go into the world and make disciples teaching them father we ask for grace to be a teachers of your word Paul told the people or the writer of Hebrews said when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that you again bring taught the very basic principles of the doctrines of Christ there comes a time in our life that we must be teachers we must go and disciple the nations we must become like Mordecai we must raise Esther in the generation we must become like Mordecai we must train the next queen we must become like Mordecai we must train the next people that would save the spiritual nation of the Jews father we pray for grace that will be an extra finally Philemon 1 verse 6 it tells us that that the communication of your faith may become effectual is it this faith be communicate it becomes effectual it becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus and this is why you must know the epistles because it is the epistles that reveals unto us every good thing that Jesus has done for us you want to spend some time acknowledging you want to spend some time acknowledging every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus father we thank that we are accepted because of Jesus we have been accepted we rejected Jesus on the cross so that you would accept us we thank you for access because now we have peace with you we are no longer your enemies but you now call us your children we thank you for the holy spirit we thank you that you have become our seal we thank you that you have become our life we thank you that you have come to vitalize our mortal bodies father we thank you for choosing us in Christ Jesus we thank you for making us your masterpiece we thank you for making us your workman for the bible the epistles also tells us that if any man be in Christ he is a new creation father we thank you that you have wiped away every hand written of ordinance that was against us we thank you that the blood of Jesus speaks over our behalf every blood of Abel over our lives is cancelled in the name of Jesus every blood that is speaking vengeance is cancelled by the God has picked better things. We thank you that in Christ Jesus we are accepted, we are loved, we are anointed, we are blessed. We thank you that the blessings of Abraham are ours in Christ Jesus. For he became a curse for our sake. For it is written, cursed with every man that hangs on a tree. You were cursed so that we will be blessed. You were poor so that we will be rich. You were rejected so that we will be accepted. You took our ashes and you gave us your beauty. We acknowledge that we have the beauty of the Lord. You have given us the oil of gladness. You have given us the garment of praise. We cannot be disadvantaged in this life for the lines are falling onto us in pleasant places. We acknowledge that we are the light of the world. We acknowledge that we are a citizen upon a hill. We cannot be hidden. We acknowledge that we are a kingdom of priests unto God. We acknowledge that we are ambassadors for thee. We have been anointed with power. We have been anointed with the Holy Ghost. We are witnesses unto you in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in Samaria and even to the outermost parts of the earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are reflectors of the glory of God. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are children of the most high. We are children of the light. Our Father is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We cannot be disadvantaged. We cannot be moved. For we know whom we are believed. And we know that we are more than conquerors because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that we can never be defeated. 
We know that you have good care. We know that you have good care. No matter the seasons of life that we go through, we know we are more than conquerors. We rejoice in the Lord because we know we can never be disadvantaged. We know we are more than conquerors. We thank you for the victorious life in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you lead us in a triumphant procession in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you order the events of our lives. We thank you that you are directing our path. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost that is delivering us from accidents, that is delivering us from a life of error, that has delivered us in a life of fear, that is delivering us from armed robbery. We will not be subject of armed robbery. We will not be subject of accidents. We will not be subject of unfortunate circumstances because of angelic assistance. The Bible said, are you all ministering spirits that have been sent forth to minister for those who shall inherit salvation? We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you that our faith do not dash against the stone. We thank you that you are clearing, you are making every mountain a level ground for us in the name of our Lord Jesus. We are blessed beyond measure. We are blessed beyond measure. For whoever the Lord has blessed, no man can curse. Thank you for blessing us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you that we are your Father. And this is what you must be doing. Our Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. We enjoy the generosity of our Father in this year and beyond. Our mouth is full of laughter. Our mouth is full of rejoicing. Our mouth is full of profound testimonies to the glory of God. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. So that if you are not prayerful, the epistle says you must continue in prayer. And whenever you see the epistles, you must adjust your life to it. We pray that God will continually grant us grace to be doers of the word. See you next week, even as we start another new exciting study in His word. Remember to give God your best and to make sure the only thing you owe any man is love. See you next week. Bye bye.